Welcome to another edition of the Concrete Jungle Podcast. Vinny, we're excited. We have some sports again, some sports, some real sports to actually talk about. We had the NFL draft last week. Uh, so a pretty big day for all of us. Uh, we're pretty Hell excited yeah. to see some, for see some legit sports out there again. Uh, give me your overall thoughts. How do you think the draft went? What do you think of the virtual draft? And uh, maybe a couple teams that you thought did, did well. Damn, dude. Welcome back. Sports, baby. It was a brief taste that we had of sports, but overall it was as good as it can get. Um, it surprisingly had very little, um, and not to say drama, but also not as much like uh, problems with the draft itself, problems with um, overall getting picks in at the right time and like, how it's going to look on TV. I think the ESPN crew did a great job, and I thought that overall it was pretty good content to watch. Uh, even yeah, I mean, from, from the team's perspective, I didn't really see any real technical issues. Did you? That, no, I, I don't. I don't think I noticed anything that was like out of the ordinary. Like it was definitely interesting being able to see their war room. That the war room, you know, their fucking living room. That part was really cool to me. That was honestly one of my favorite parts. It was of the whole very thing, inclusive. Like, like, yeah. yeah. It gave you some great raw people, reactions, but also gave you, stuff like right, but also gave you bad reactions because they showed on the occasion like a player get drafted, and they showed before he found out he was drafted, and like before the family knew, and then it's like, oh, uh, you know, such and such taken out of Alabama, he was just drafted number nine overall, boom. And they show his his family and the players like kind of like looking at his phone, and then it cuts back. They show some tape. They roll B roll. Boom! They cut back to yeah. the kid putting the hat on. He's pumped up. Yes. He's got his family yes. right next to him. That was nice. That was couple, cool. I think ESPN did an outstanding job. Couple of, yeah, a couple of highlights just from that perspective. Like when CD Lamb, uh, he had his girlfriend sitting next to him, and she went to like take oh. his phone. And he just grabbed it out of his hand. I mean. I mean, just just so funny. Like you are in the big league now. Like I, this is my fault. Like, yeah, it's just just like funny stuff like no, that. No, no, do not um, take my fucking. Yeah. Side note: to his house it was huge. I wonder how that happened. Cough, cough. Oh Nick yeah, um, um, yeah. Cough, cough. Nick Saban. Ooh, little yeah. sketch there. Like, wait, hold on. Remember, they still have Paulia. They still have his younger brother there yeah, at Bama. So those parents are still getting lost in Nero. Um. Yeah, and some of my favorite, like like you said, like the coaching perspective, like you know, one thing for you know, from just I looked at it from the Jets perspective, like when Joe Douglas on the screen, his family came in after he made Mackay Beckton pick. Like this his is the guy's kids, first, man. Pick. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the guy's first pick. pick as a GM, as like at, being the as ever guy. as a GM ever. He was assistant. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, he had the total. I mean, the draft was kind of his baby when he was in uh, Philadelphia, but I mean, coming over to New right, York, he this didn't is make his first the draft pick, you know. Right, like this is he first draft the one to head put honcho. in the card, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the first draft to head honcho. It's the first draft towards you know, hopefully a new era for the Jets. So I mean, from that, it was cool to see him like get time to spend time with his family. Uh, Matt Nagy, kind of a weird setup with all those play cards on the wall. Didn't really understand that too much, <laughs> but uh, I mean, overall, I thought honestly, I thought it was a really cool experience just watching it and the way that they did it. Um, you know, or what about what know, about Cliff Kingsbury living in like the best house? Out of every single person that was shown, Cliff Kingsbury yeah, in the first exciting, round, he's sit, sitting there with his leg up in his beautiful living room in, in I guess, Arizona. Yeah, um, I mean, it's living at large. Large. 
Listen, Cliff Cambridge yeah, is a good looking guy. He's a young guy. guy. You know, he he's like 37. Yeah, he's a backup lad yeah. with, with some fake I'm, grass. I'm sure he's not married. Yeah, I'm sure he's not married. I'm sure he's just a single fucking rich dude working in football and has Kyler Murray as his number one It didn't really look like he was set up to actually draft, just kind of hang out and watch the draft by himself. Like he well, had like a had singular one iPad. First round. He didn't care. I know, but he yeah, had like he one care. iPad. He had like one TV. He was like, "Yeah, dude, like whatever you want to do, like just just text me when the, when you're done." Like, his, like he did not care whatever, like whatsoever, what kind of draft pick he got. I I was gonna say I don't think he but cared because he literally, he literally got he literally got Kyler Murray, the number one guy he ever wanted last year. So he's just good. I think he's yeah, done. I think ironically, I think he's like, he's like still had one of the best drafts in the league. I. 100%. I think they did. I mean, it's it's hard to not give a team a really good grade when you get the number two overall, pro- in my opinion, number two overall prospect in the whole draft as a defense uh, as a defensive combination back, Isaiah Simmons from Al- uh, from yeah. Clemson. Um, yeah, I mean, eight. Isaiah Simmons is a ridiculous athlete. Um, and obviously, Monster. great pick at eight. Um, that's someone the Giants, we thought the Giants might get. We talked about the pre draft. We thought the, the guy, the Giants might target there at four, exactly. but he ended up falling all the way to eight. And, you know, Arizona gets him and they get Josh Jones out of Houston, who I think was a huge value pick. Um, and, you know, overall, they had, they had a really good draft. Ah, I, I agree. Uh, Isaiah Simmons was the biggest one for me. And I think they really needed to work on. Uh, their defensive side because their offense was pretty pretty good, and they yeah, traded they some offensive line and they got D Hop. Like they're 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 doing well out there. Um, but overall, from watching it, what I watched pretty uh, most of the draft. I watched the first uh, three rounds, pretty like watched pretty much the whole thing. Um, and it was great. It was a good, like you said, sports are back, baby, or at least it felt like it. And I, I was, now, so, I was so locked in the whole time just because I was like, yeah. this is what I've wanted for so long. I mean, we were on the, we were on a zoom call with the boys and we were, we were chatting up the, the first pick for the jets and for the giants. And we, uh, that was fun. That was a good time. Like it was a good time to really see that live. Uh, even though Ryan was off a little bit behind, um, and the reaction when the Jets took Makai Becton after the Giants took Andrew Thomas, um, surprising offense, surprising first pick for them. Like we we we, we kind of thought that the Giants were going to go offensive lineman or Isaiah Simmons as the defensive. Uh, defensive back or defensive they need to address their defense which uh, when we get into it we will find out that they really love linebackers apparently um but i think that uh from what we saw in that first round is exactly that both teams both new york teams the justin giants are going in a similar direction they know they have their quarterback they know that they have um a team that they're ready to build from the bottom brick up. So they have to protect their franchise. And that looks like Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Um, I think it's kind of becoming more mainstream around the NFL. Like people are kind of starting to realize that you kind of have to build inside out, and that starts with the two the two lines, exactly. both offensive and defensive. And that's something In the that Joe trenches, Douglas has baby. gotten there. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Joe Douglas has preached since he's gotten to New York. Is we got to build it inside out. It starts with the line and ends with the line, and you're only as good as your line is. And we, I mean. Listen, it's just fancies who experienced that. Like we've seen guy we've seen Sam Darnold. Like I watched a highlight clip. It was two minutes of his best plays as from like as a jet. And in almost every single one of them, he's scrambling for his life back there. I mean, he has no time to watch plays develop. And you need like a solid offensive line core to make that, you know, to make a, a franchise quarterback viable. And so that's why they went out and they got guys like Cameron Clark and they got guys like Mikai Beckton. And this is where you're gonna start like I, this is gonna be a trend where we're not going to see a whole lot of sexy picks out of Joe Douglas. We're not going to see a lot of the guys that people want them to go get, like a C.E. Lamb, people, some people were talking about in the first round. But you're just going to see very solid, you know, smart picks that he's going to make. And I'm totally fine with that because that's, that's how you build a future. That's how you build a long-term future. Well, hold on. You wait till next year because I have confidence in Joe, Joe Douglas. Absolutely, after this draft, he has the latest base of confidence because he's definitely here for the long term. He's picking players based on the fact that he wants them to develop into all-star studs in the league on this team. Next year, let's say they don't make the playoffs. Let's say that they don't have a, like a 500 year. So they're at 12, 13, 14 at the draft. Then you're going to see a sexy pick. I don't think they're going to go offensive lineman again. First, if you got a great wide receiver draft class or the top, and wide well, receivers, I mean, which look, there yeah. will be coming in next year. I, yeah, I think I mean, you I take them next year going forward at this point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I don't know too much about the draft class. And obviously, we don't know where the Jets can be picking next year. I mean, for all we know, we could, they could be picking at 32. Like, you know, who the hell knows? But I think we're oh, going to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about you that. Know, you, I'm just saying, you never know. Um, but what I think is <laughs> we're going to start to see is a smart, methodical process to these picks. And like we said, you know, it starts with the line, ends with the line. And if the best, you know, not even if the best pick there, but if one of the top players on the board is an offensive lineman, that's what they're going to go get. Now, there are not, it's not necessarily a home run um, pick that the Jets made there at 11. We'll, we'll start, we'll start with, we'll go front to back, I guess. So let's, um, let's go, we'll let's go front to back. Let's go, let's start with the Giants. I know we've been talking a lot yeah. about the Jets. We've talked a lot about the Jets because, you know, we're both fans, but let's, listen, we're here to talk about, the whole concrete jungle, baby, New York City. We're talking about the Giants here, too. And so the Giants, Mike, they took Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, number four overall. Not a lot of people's number one offensive lineman to take. What do you think? What do you think about that one? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the thing I was surprised by the pick, uh, I had Judge Wills as a top tackle here with the four guys, like just looking at them from when I, when I was ranking them for the Jets, you know, Judge Wills kind of jumped out to me as the most pro ready tackle out of the four. Um, but, you know, I still don't hate the Andrew Thomas pick. I mean, he was kind of the, the consensus number one tackle going into the college football season last year. And I think he's still a really good fit. I mean, he's 6'5", 315. You know, he's got long arms, the 36 so on something inches, I forget what the total is, but I mean, he's got great long arms. He does a really good job. He's quality run blocker. And yeah, I'm, I'm, know, I'm I, looking I him up right now. I want to see his size. He's huge. It's massive. He's massive. No, he's massive. I mean, I mean, he was, he was definitely a solid pick. And I, I, and I think, you know, you kind of got to trust the giant scouting branch here. I mean, not that, you know, people have much faith in them lately, but I mean, 
they went with the safe, smart pick, and they took the guy that obviously had the choice of the four, and they felt that this was their number one guy. So with a guy like Saquon Barkley back there, I mean, I think you're going to kind of run the offense through him, despite the fact they took Daniel Jones sixth. I think you're still going to kind of lean in that run game a bit. So, I mean, you want a good run blocker, and you got your guy in Andrew Thomas. So I have no problem with the pick. I don't have a problem with the pick. I, I agree. I like for in terms of the franchise, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, you want to protect those two franchise cornerstones. It really shows that they truly believe that Daniel Jones is their guy, at least for the next two to three years. They believe he's the future of the immediate future and hopefully the long term for future. And they reassured that with Andrew Thomas. And the the man is a tank. He's six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds. His arms are thirty-six and one eighth inches wingspan hands uh, you know this man has quick hands from what i remember them talking about and he was a part of a an explosive run offensive run uh, run offense in georgia uh yeah something i can see too is like he's been going up against all these guys in the sec you know like oh absolutely in the college football playoff exactly yeah yeah, like he's going yeah. up against guys that you're going to see on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like he's not uh, going to go up against scrubs. So I mean, he's, he's no, yeah, he's, he's no chump at all. And some of these guys, not not that any of them were from any bad conferences, but I mean, even Mackay back in the ACC, like you pre, play some pretty weak ass programs there in the ACC. So I mean, your tape's going to look yeah. a little bit better. And that was kind of some one of the flaws of Mackay Bicton, which we'll get to, but. You know, you're looking at a guy who has to have good technique, who's playing against the top guys in the SEC, and so I mean, it's the safe, good pick here by the Giants. I have no problem with it at four. Yeah, uh, I, I like you said, uh, taking Jedrick Wills out of Alabama would have been, I think, the consensus number one, and I agree. I really like Tristan Wirfs too, uh, and I was hoping that he would sl- slide to the Jets, and he did. We'll get to that, um, but. Jedrick Wills didn't really realize how much of a beast that man is. And I was surprised that he wasn't number one uh, tackle taken. And uh, there were some talks that it was going to be uh, the Giants or even um, even Miami were thinking about taking an offensive tackle at five over to attack by Loa. And, you know, could have been a good pick, but... Uh, they took Andrew Thomas. They hung strong. They know who they want. Uh, Dave Gettleman had a little bit of controversy that first night because he wore a mask inside and people like to give him shit for literally anything. And people continue to troll him for Andrew Thomas. But I don't think they're going to be that upset with this guy for the next seven to eight to 10 years. I mean, honestly, best case scenario with a guy like offensive lineman is like the most basic fans kind of forget who he is. Right. I mean, if you don't know his name, then he's probably a good offensive lineman. That's kind of, the he's rule, probably doing a great rule. job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the general rule for fans who are not like really, you know, plugged into the team. As long as you don't know who the, what the guy is, I mean, Eric flowers made headlines because he was so bad and that's the exact opposite of what you want. You know what I mean? So right. hopefully he was taken guys, early too. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully this is a guy who, you know, fringe Giants fans will kind of forget about and just be like, yeah, we got to go to the left side of the line, whatever that guy's name is. The guy with exactly. two first names, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> he's just yep. the guy Andrew with two first names, that'll be it. That, that big old man out of Georgia. Um, but continuing the trend, especially for New York, uh, the first round was filled with a lot of wide receivers, filled with top talent there at that position. And the Jets were that first team where you could have maybe seen a change or a a flip from, well, there are a bunch of great offensive tackles. 
who will be taken in that first top 10 picks and three, uh, I'm pretty sure two, two were taken in top uh, 10, but they were supposed to have been even up to four. Um, but the other teams decided to go with defense, Isaiah Simmons, defensive backs and all that type yeah, of the, situation. The Cardinals, the Cardinals are kind of one of, the turning points for Jets were well, like really like right, but okay, also the, Jag, the Jags could have, but the Jags, Jags also yeah yeah Jags too for sure Jags too right those two were kind of like we, all right like we're gonna have one of those guys available to us um it wasn't if they really do a take, secret yeah. well it wasn't really a secret I mean it, it seemed pretty much well known around league circles and like outward league circles obviously that because we're not plugged in at any level that no you know um the Jets were going tackle wide receiver one and two um and you know barring any large change that's pretty much what they were going to go and that's exactly what they did exactly and um right so but we didn't know if what order it was going to be but of course obviously um people had the feeling since joe douglas is that meat and potatoes type guy he's going to take uh he's going to take his big big offensive lineman at 11 makai becton Six foot seven, three hundred and sixty plus pounds, left tackle out of Louisville, Kentucky. This man's tape is great when you look at the highlights. This man is huge. When the draft pick was announced, me and you were on the chat and you were excited because it was an offense tackle. Me, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, if they took CeeDee Lamb, I wouldn't be upset. Sexy pick, but you know. They took the meat and potatoes, huge guy at left tackle who has an opportunity to be there for 10 years to protect Sam Darnold. Can't be upset about that. And I was a little bit worried because of the fact that this man is huge, and that kind of scares me. This man, usually bigger offensive lineman, cannot stay on the field healthily enough, and that makes me worried. But listen, anything can change. Doesn't and scare me. One thing, scare me. It, it, that's good. You know, not with this not guy. With this guy. Oh, no, really. Listen, I mean, he he's a freak athlete. Like bottom line, you know, Monster. he's a freak athlete. I I, I get Insane. what you're coming from, and I, I can't say that I fully disagree because like, who the hell knows? I mean, we just saw today Quincy Numa go back on the pup list for the rest of the remaining. Oh yeah, for the, the year. Oh yeah. By the way, he's gone. SOL. So I mean, that, I mean, but I mean, that's the case. Anyone, right? Like you have no idea you know, what their health is going to be like for the duration of their career, like how they're actually going to turn out. I mean, all, all these guys for the first round could be bust, you know, who the hell knows. But you got a guy coming in who's, like you said, 6'7", 364 pounds, got around a 4.10 40-yard dash at the combine. I mean, just an absolute freak athlete for a guy that size. He has 16% body fat. 16% for a guy who's... I, just, I think you said 4.1. Oh, did I? I meant I think you said, said four point one. All right, well, no, that would be an absolute freak, freak. No, he he's a five one five one zero, but still, I mean, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, he it, uh, if you watch it, it's disgustingly fast. That man is huge, yeah, no, and he's running like he should. But I mean, he's got. I mean, he's just a huge frame. He had the second longest arms, Joe Thomas, or to Andrew Thomas, geez, Joe Thomas, um, to Andrew Thomas, and you know what kind of things I kind of talked about before. I got, I kind of hinted at it when we talked about Andrew Thomas, but like he's a guy when he played in the ACC, he saw some teams that really weren't that good. Um, and he just bowled guys over. I mean, absolutely demolished guys, put them on their back. You want to talk about pancake blocks? I mean, I don't know the stats, but this guy had to be towards the top of the leaderboard in pancake blocks last year and throughout his yep. career. I mean, just an absolute monster, destroyed guys, finished blocks pretty well. Um, 
but the one thing that people kind of hopped on for and one thing he has to kind of work on is his actual technique. But I mean, I, you know, he didn't have great techniques. He didn't have to have great technique. I mean, he was literally just go up and punch guys away and it didn't matter. And obviously the NFL right. is going to be a little different. He's going to have to adjust to that. But oh, I mean, he's really, going to have an adjusting period. He's absolutely going to have a period that he's going to struggle. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that because I, I don't, see a whole lot of concerns i mean some people brought up the weight thing he's he has said that he has started to correct that that he'd like to play at a bit of a leaner weight so. probably probably drop around 10 pounds he, he hoped and that you know there was a couple things um that he had to do differently like he said he was eating too little he actually has to eat more and now he's starting to drop some weight so i mean it sounds like he's doing the right things that he's kind of gotten right back on the right track uh the flag drug tests you know to me it's not huge deal I, I don't really have a problem with that unless it's like peds because that really it's like right we don't you know, know, we don't know what it is but i don't think i don't think it's reached that point yet i don't think he's yeah i mean yeah i don't i don't think they really i don't think it's um yeah i mean it's it was a stupid mistake um i i don't really have too many concerns with that um i think you see a few of those things i mean larry tunsil had that the same thing happened to him on draft night um, he had that picture posted, and he's, posted he's, yeah. and yeah, he's yeah. fine. So, I mean, I, that's not overly concerning to me unless you see it kind of happen in the NFL. Um, aside from that, he's great. He's a kind of great pass pro. Um, he pushes guys back in the run in the run game. I mean, a guy Joe Douglas said himself. He said, "A man that size should not be as nimble as he is," and it's just true. You know, he's just got ridiculous athleticism. Uh, like we said, a couple of technique things to work on, but overall, I mean, I think this guy is going to be kind of the staple of that Jets offensive line for years to come. Uh, I agree. Uh, I was skeptical within the first five minutes just because I let my uh, other friends tell me differently early on. Um, uh, Pro Football Focus doesn't have him as a top 40 prospect, let alone a top 10, uh, top 15 pick. I'm kind of out on Pro Football Focus right now. They've been trashing. John John DeLong isn't going to – yeah. John DeWong, our, our our boy, uh, will definitely like to step in and disagree with that. But hey, I'm good with their is, stats. I'm good with their stats. I, I'm their analysis is starting to tick me off. Just a bit. I completely agree. Uh, give Mackay a chance. He's raw, but he. I, mean, don't look, need- I, I don't know what their grades are and how they're grading their prospects. I I, I mean maybe. Based on their grades, it's true. Just based on his technique and stuff like that, whatever. I don't know. You know, they use a lot of obviously analysis. So I mean, maybe analytically, he's not a top forty guy, but he was absolutely. I, I honestly, I had him number two on my offensive draft prospect right behind Jedrick Wills. Behind um, Jedrick Wills, yeah. I mean, him and Thomas probably arguably two three, but um, I, you know, I just think that his freak athleticism, his huge size. The way that he's able to move so you know freely and nimbly as with a as a guy that big, um, I, I mean I don't really see a lot of reasons why he would fail in the NFL. Uh, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a tank. That's my thing. I think if he stays healthy and he will learn technique, he has Joe Douglas, who is running this organization and this team he's a now. Offensive lineman. He's a former offensive lineman, and he's going to help every single way. And another thing that Joe Douglas has done throughout the whole draft process. And another thing that he did with Makai was that he has been picking character men who want to be a part of the team, want to be a part of the franchise. And from second, number one, Makai has wanted to be a jet. I think when he talked to Joe Douglas before the draft, Joe Douglas was saying, if you are there at 11, you are mine. 
You are our, you are our franchise left tackle. We are going to take you and we're going to run with you. You ready to work with me? And I think Makai was like, are you kidding me? Hell yeah, I'll sign up for number 11. And ever since then, even after the he was drafted, he tweeted, retweeted. Yep. He yeah, liked okay, every single pick awesome. the Jets made. That is huge. That is amazing. That is exactly what you want to see from a number one pick and someone who's going to be there on the offensive line. He's going to help maybe be a captain who fucking knows down the line, be one of the captains. He wants to be a part of it. And he got, like you mentioned earlier before, he got um, one of his, uh, the other offensive tackle taken later on in the draft for the Jets uh, is his training buddy uh, out of Charlotte. Um, that man yeah. is happy. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Clark. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say the same thing. Like the, the tweeting thing after, I think I thought was awesome. Um, like through the whole, I thing, loved all of them, top to bottom. All I mean, not not just for guys he knew or like big name guys, but every single guy that came across the board, he was hyped up. And you know, Scott Satterfield is, is college coach at Louisville, so that said that he really stepped up and became a vocal leader this past year. So I mean. Like you said, that that's kind of been a theme. That was a, definitely a theme. I mean, he drafted five straight team captains of Joe Douglas's draft. You know, that's getting insane. high the guys, that's insane. which is a big step away from you know not only the Jets of years past, but just teams in general. I mean, not a lot of guys. Like, there's a lot of guys who teams take a shot at, shot at, and they don't work out because they're poor character. You know, and a lot of time, a lot of time, teams will tend to take the athlete over the man. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best draft strategies. I mean, sometimes it works out, but. And we saw what happened last year with Jesse took uh, Ja'Kai Polite in the third round out of Florida. And he was a freak exactly. athlete, great defensive rusher. And, but, I mean, he didn't even make – he was there for a day and got cut because he didn't show up to a meeting. So, I mean, you don't really need that on your team. Hopefully the Jets' third-round pass rusher out of this draft turns out a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with, uh, with this pick and no problem with the high-character guys that Joe Douglas is trying to – Add to this I team. really, I really enjoy Joe Douglas's take and his approach, and I think that um, it's refreshing. It's a solid pick. If it is, and if this is his guy, and I think well, that's what I'm getting from this because he was so excited. This was his guy. I think they got what they wanted. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was. I think it was probably. It might have been. I don't know. I think I still think Jedrick Wills is probably the number one guy, but my contact him was definitely up there, and I, I just that's just based on their uh their you know kind of profile of guys they've taken in in free agency guys like george fant who's just a very athletic guy a guy who was an offensive tackle and then or started as basketball player became an offensive tackle and then actually ended up moving to tight end a bit for the seahawks i mean they want that kind of really athletic offensive lineman and that's exactly what they got right in Beck. and that's what they do exactly um before we move on to the second round who were some highlight picks taken by teams in the NFL in that first round that you think will make, in your opinion, some like big splashes or will help really. Well, I think the best pick overall. Yeah. I think definitely the first pick, uh, the best pick overall was uh, Jordan Love to the Packers. That was probably my favorite pick of the first round. I think they made (laughs) a great selection. Wow, they completely trolled their whole entire uh, fan base with that pick. I mean, have you? Ever, there I mean, like, when is no the last way. time a team has gotten dragged so bad for their draft than the Packers? I know there's a team every year that has like a bad draft. Obviously, I mean, it happens I, I think I, I mean, think listen, 
we're Jet fans, so I think the Jets have definitely been there. So oh, the, jet, many the Jets. Times. I mean, yeah. I mean, I listen. Not. I mean, we're we've not that there. old. We so, I mean, we've missed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've seen it, but I mean, we we missed probably some of the glory years of bad drafts. But I mean, to not. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. However, the hell you say his name. You don't. I mean, the guy made went thirteen and three for you. Made made it to the NFC Championship game, and you Give reward him, him by taking his replacement. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Trading up for his replacement, so you traded away prospects and picks. Not prospects. Trading, that's gonna be. That, that's the picks. worst part. That's the worst part. Like as a fan, must be because you're like, all right, like they're at thirty. They might not, you know. But there's gonna be some wide receivers there, and then they end up trading up. And you're like, oh, okay, let's see what they do. Like thinking that it's probably gonna be a playmaking guy, a guy who will actually help contribute to the team next year. And then you see the name Jordan Love come across your screen. I mean, I can't imagine the feeling. And he and honestly, it's probably the same feeling will, they had when Aaron Rodgers' name came across the screen. Brett Favre was there. But here's the thing: Aaron Rodgers was the potential number one overall pick. Jordan Love was barely right. even, in my opinion, barely even at top. Two, three round pick. I mean, you're Jalen Hurts should have been taken over him. I get what they're saying, like in terms of needing a backup. I've seen some Packers fans, like I just because I, I I look stuff up just just out of curiosity to see how like other fan bases are kind of reacting to their drafts. And you know, some guys try to make the case that you know, oh well, you know, Rogers got drafted, and you know, yada yada yada. Oh, and that worked out so well, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. Like, but. To just not support your franchise quarterback who has said he wants to be a Packer for life, who has dedicated his whole career to trying to make the Packers better and has lifted, elevated that franchise to new heights despite the fact that he has had minimal weapons to work with. Right. I mean, I, I, just, I, just, I can't understand for the life of me how you justify making that pick in the first round and how you justify not selecting one wide receiver in the entire draft. I, don't, I just can't, even, I can't understand. Even I, I can't understand. They took a running back after Aaron Jones had a great season. They took a I running mean, it back. It was like, it was like they were, I mean, I don't know. It's almost like they were, they went, they've been gone 16 and all for the past four years. And they were just going to, you know, continually draft just depth replacements and like, you know, keep rising to the top. It's like, it just makes zero sense to me. I don't like. I don't understand how anyone could try to justify what they did. I don't understand how the front front office justifies what they did. Nothing about their draft class or that pick for. And, and the worst part is honestly, like the worst part is, I feel the worst for Jordan Love because this is supposed to be the best day of your life, and here you are on every single talk radio show and every single news network, you know, getting trashed just because of the team that picked you. That's not fair to him. And it really is fair to him. And dragged. congratulations to him for getting drafted and everything like that. I mean, he's exactly. huge He's worked his whole damn he life for it. He should be excited. And, you know, it gets it gets kind of taken away from him because of, of the team that's taken. But, I mean, man, like, come oh, Man, I just – it sucks. I, I feel for Rodgers. I feel for Rodgers. I feel for Jordan Love. I mean, that quarterback room is going to be weird. I don't know. Brett, I mean, even Brett Favre said, you know, I in my gut, I think he's going to play somewhere he's else. He's, he, he should. He should. He'll yeah. probably go to the uh, Patriots. And make me cry. How it's could okay. you not? How could you not? Honestly, how could you not leave? I, I, I was thinking about it. Like, what would I do if I was in that situation? And but like, I think I'd still show up. I'd still play because it's not my teammates' fault and, and anything like that. But I'd be like, listen, I want to trade. Like, I'll show up. I'll play. But I'm not happy to be here. I don't appreciate what you guys done to me, and I want out. 
and like you know like i would just i would just demand a trade and you know hope hope i got shipped somewhere completely but, done i completely agree i yeah i mean that was just just baffling baffling all around baffling all around they didn't take one offensive player other than, uh, beyond the second round uh, other than a sorry they didn't take a, a skill position player other than i guess a tight end they took a tight end out of cincinnati um which didn't know they needed uh, and they took aj Dillon, a great running back out of boston college in the second round just this draft that draft was very very interesting and yeah um, but it's overall, a, like, overall first round stuff, um, I there really wasn't any surprises. I mean, I don't know, you know, the question marks really where I think Justin Herbert at six to the Chargers. Um, I don't hate the pick at all. Um, I just I don't you know, hate it either. You're hoping he develops in the franchise QB. I like him. I think he's very toolsy. He has a lot of the tools. I don't think, you know, he got to display it a ton in college, but, um, you know, you kind of as a Chargers fan, you're really hoping he kind of replaces Phillip Rivers as a franchise QB. And, you know, it's no home run. Um, I think he has the skills, but you kind of kind of wait and see what they do there. Um, CJ Henderson going nine to the Jaguars. I think that was a little high for him. I, I personally don't think he really was. A, he might have been a late first rounder, but a top 10 first rounder, probably not. Um, yeah. Yeah, just I mean, Florida, just Florida corner, man. They love him. Yeah, I mean, looking looking at the draft overall, I don't. Yeah, I really don't hate any of these picks, honestly. I really I don't. don't either. I I think um I think the best um I think it was yeah, CD Lamb Dolphins, at 7. I think CD Lamb at 17 that's was a steal. A steal. Steal. Absolute steal. Jer- Jerry Judy at 15 also kind of a steal. Um Denver Broncos going back to back wide receivers in the first two picks is so great. That's just funny to watch. Um CD yeah. Lamb was a steal. I know you're going to hate me saying this, but honestly, the biggest problem was almost all the cornerbacks that went in the first round. AJ Terrell, even Damon Arnett, I'm sorry. But not that I, I don't, don't hate that. those picks. I don't hate those as picks, you, but I just think they're a little bit Jeff, if, high. As long as you don't say Jeffrey Okuda, I'm no, fine. No, 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 no. Um, I think a lot of Eagles fans and people around the league were surprised, surprised with Jalen Rigor. I, I really don't hate the pick at all. I actually I actually like Rigor a lot, and he was a guy yeah, that but, like, some guys were projecting yeah, to fall in the second though? round. Yeah, I mean that that's one this that's one of the situations and the same thing with the Giants pick with Andrew Thomas. Like I almost kind of default to the team scouting department and not that they can really be trusted after they took, you know, uh Hertz in the second round, but you just kinda gotta hope that they looked at these guys, they looked at the scheme fit in terms of Doug Peterson's office, and they said this is the guy that we need and this is the best guy for our situation because they really had the pick of that like the kind of second tier of receivers of Jaden Ragor, Justin Jefferson, uh Michael Pittman, all, all those guys, Brandon Brandon Ayuk as well. Um I this, love Justin Jefferson, so I'm surprised they didn't go there. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I like Justin Jefferson a lot. Um, but the Vikings, I mean, great pick for them too, right? Right, great right pick, pick after. Great pick. Um great but yeah, pick. I mean, I don't I don't see a, a ton of issues here at all um with their picks. Uh, with these picks I think the that I, I don't one of my favorite picks, that. honestly, was the Chiefs with Clyde Edwards Lair. I think that's a that was huge good. I, I think they need like, a good, good running and it's back. It's not like you know, running backs obviously are kind of um, not a premium position in the NFL anymore. I think they're kind of a lot of teams are going to that running back by committee approach. But I just think his fit for that offense is 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 tremendous, and I think he's going to do a lot of really good things there. Completely, completely agree. Uh, I I think that 
you can only you can't go wrong as the NFL, uh, Super Bowl champion to take a stud running back like that. Um, the number one running back off the board, but we'll get into that. Well, no, you know what? Fuck it. I'll talk about it now. Uh, J.K. Dobbins sliding so far in the second round is kind of insulting, but that's fine. Um, he landed in a great spot, though. He landed in a fantastic spot. He's going to be great. Jonathan Taylor, fantastic value. I love that pick. fit. I, I love that, that fit, too. Amazing fit. He was one of my guys. Like, oh, like he kind of piqued my interest. Yeah. Just my mind see? was turning. Like, my mind automatically, like, as soon as I see draft picks, that my mind automatically goes to fantasy football and like what they might do. And Jonathan Taylor is one of the guys that kind of piqued my interest. I mean, I haven't really seen too much of like, you know, about like the actual pick and like the scheme fit and all that kind of stuff. But oh, dude, he's got to just kind of, kind of in the back of my mind, just kind of like, hmm, you know, I get the best, one of the best offensive line, uh, one of the best offensive lines in all of football. He's, He's gonna run, and they got Pittman too. Indianapolis made made that was off. A great pick too. I like run. Pittman a lot. Um, but I think overall, first round and moving on to Indianapolis had a great draft. One of my favorites. Um, I think that Miami had a, an amazing draft. They built around their young quarterback, and I think the Browns had a pretty solid, pretty solid draft. Very under the, you know, under the limelight type draft where they did kind of what the Jets did, but a little bit better. They had more picks, I, th- I believe. And I think they address a lot of team needs. And I think the Browns are making pretty good strides in the right direction based off this draft, along with Indianapolis. And yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I, you know, I thought Judge, the Judge Grills pick was was a great value at ten. Exactly. Uh, just given exactly. his skill set, so I mean, to start the draft off like that, I think is a great way to start. So I mean, I really have no no problem with their draft either. I think they're definitely one of the better drafts of the of the whole class. Can you give me your number one favorite name taken that weekend? I can give it to you. I'm looking at it right now. You mean like? Like just the Actually, best name, like name itself. Like not like not like based on their skills or anything. Just their straight no, up no, name. no, 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 no. Just straight up like your favorite name, the sound that goes with it, and all that jazz. Uh, I liked Yitur Gross Matos. I just I just think his name was cool. Um, I think the guy out of Penn State as well is great. Um, who who is the guy you're thinking of? Because obviously you have a guy off the top of your head or a guy right in front of you. I remember, I remember seeing this pop up on day three, uh, on the bottom line. Quintez Cephas, wide receiver, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's a great name. Quintez, very cool, Cephas very solid name for the for the Detroit Lions. Don't know much about him. Didn't really, he didn't really do all that much at Wisconsin, in my opinion. But still, Quintez Cephas, what a great ass name. Um, moving on, uh, back into the you know chat of the. Our New York fellow New York teams, uh, the Giants were the first one to take uh, a player uh, out of the two, and they took Xavier McKinney uh, out of, I believe it was Bama, right? I believe yep, that's Bama, Bama. Alabama. Yes, sir. That was a first round pick that they took in the second round, and it's unbelievable that he slid all the way yeah. to the second round. Yeah, no, he, he's. Again, uh, great pick here by the Giants. Um, I think he's a really 
he's a really solid prospect. Uh, six foot, 201 pounds uh, out of Alabama. I mean, definitely definitely a great pick. I mean, you want a guy, a safety, who is a great open field tackler, and that's exactly what Xavier McKinney is. And he's able to kind of find those ball caviers, uh, does a great job in coverage. And I, I think that, yeah, like you said, overall, very good pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can't, I, like they, we talked before the draft, we talked about how the, the Giants and both the Jets and Giants need that back end help and back defense help. But if there was a team out of the two that really needed it more in terms of safeties and cornerbacks, it was the Giants. And they got a bonafide stud. Just straight up, Xavier McKinney is a great player. Ball hawk back there. And a lot of the um, analysts were just raving about that pick. And they took him at 36. Like, that was that was solid as hell. Uh, he played under Saban. And Saban's defense was not as good this year. But the past two years, solid. He was a lockdown uh, safety and he's probably going to be their number one guy right away or one of their top guys right away. Um, and they hope that they have a similar thing to Jamal Adams as they can get with a second round pick in Xavier McKinney. Yeah. One now, of the interesting things that I actually was reading on, on, on the athletic was that there were some scouts who had praised the fact that he ran that Nick Saban defense and that he was calling it and all that kind of stuff and you know, how smart of a player that he is. Um, and then there was another scout who was saying that you know he didn't do a great job in the interview everyone kind of says how smart he is but he didn't do a great job in the interview and that he doesn't actually really call defense but kind of looks at other guys to kind of figure out what he's supposed to do and then he calls a defense so that was kind of just interesting I, you know i don't i obviously don't know how true either of those things are um nick saban said he was a great football player and i think by all accounts just based on his tape he, he's very athletic uh does a lot of great things but uh, that was kind of one thing that kind of stuck out to me when I was reading about the Giants draft class, just the, the fact that he might act, not actually be the guy who's who's calling that calling that defense. So that, that was just one thing that stuck out to me. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, I wonder what that's going to lead to. He's still a starter. Next I think he's still going to be a starter. He's got to be a starter because they don't really have much safety help back there. Yeah, um, I mean, Bill Peppers. Still, still, he's got to get that, uh, what, fifth-year oh. bump? Oh yeah, real baby. He's uh, three years. He's entering. He's entering his fourth season, so he fourth just season. got his. Okay. Right he just got his fifth year option. Yeah, no, he's there. Um, very versatile guy. <laughs> very versatile, solid player out of <clears throat> that team up north. I mean, Michigan. Um, oh, surprising fun fact. Uh, Wait, Benny, did you go to Ohio State? Uh, I think I went to Ohio State last I checked. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was just checking. All right, all right. Just, check, yeah, just making sure. Uh, <clears throat> uh, fun fact, actually, this brings up Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, LSU was number one, I believe, in schools with players taken. I think it was like sixteen. Right. I mean, we don't just don't have to go on this road. But then OSU and Mich- Michigan were tied with ten players overall taken. That's pretty good for two. Uh, <clears throat> moving on. Huh. The, the LSU's entire offense is drafted. Yeah, well, you know, that's whatever. Uh, that's what you get for winning 15 games and scoring every point ever, uh, like 700 points in a season. Um, the Jets, like you said before, were planning on going this route. Uh, offensive tackle, wide receiver, wide receiver, offensive tackle. Well, they decided to scare the shit out of all of us 
trade down in the second round when there were a lot of options there that they could have taken some decent options at wide receiver and other positions that were pretty good defensive end. Uh, the, the, the kid the Seahawks t- took at the end was also pretty good. I just can't think, think of his name off the top of my head right now. Either way, they were targeting Denzel Mims, or they at least believed that Denzel Mims will be there when they draft again, when they moved out and they acquired a third pick. They got Denzel Mims at 59, a guy who these analysts were looking at as a possible late first rounder, early second rounder. He slides all the way towards the end of the uh, second round and was pissed about it. Denzel Mims was pissed. If you listen to that phone call with uh, Joe Douglas, he even says, he's like, Joe Douglas is like, are you ready to work? You ready to get going? He's like, listen, yeah, I'm ready to make sure the, the like, he was like, I'm ready to make sure people know that they're going to pay, you know? And like, he's like, good, carry that chip on your shoulder. Like, holy shit, this guy's pissed. And you know what? You want to piss off a guy who can run a 4-3-8-40? Go ahead. Be my guest. Yeah, I mean, this is probably Joe Douglas's like a masterpiece of the entire draft. Just, you know, watching the way the board fell, um, you know, you saw, you know, it's kind of funny. Like when I was watching the first and second round, you see T Higgins and Michael Pippen off the board, like immediately. And you're saying to yourself, all right, like there's no way that men's are going to follow us. Like there's just too many teams above us that might be able to take a wide receiver. You know, Van Jefferson was still there, but it just seemed unlikely that he might actually fall down there to 48. And as the draft starts to go, you're like, all right, like maybe it's still there, maybe it's still there. And then you see like, you know, the Vikings, like, all right, the Vikings don't need a wide receiver. Like they just took, why was she in the first round? And he might actually be here. And then we get to 48, and you're like, holy shit, he's here. And then all of a sudden you see the Jets trade the pick. And I'm like, what the hell? And you you know, like you said, same thing, just same reaction. Probably across all, you know, Jets fans, you're like, oh my God, here we go again. Like same BS over again. Like we're not going to get our guy. And then 11 picks later to still see his name crumb across the bottom line. I mean, just absolutely fantastic work by Joe Douglas to get, get those extra picks and still get the guy that we wanted. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, like, I, I think, first of all, people are going to come out of this, you know, listening to this and being like, he's just a Joe Douglas homer because I kind of am. Um, not not that I am, but I, I just think there's a lot of things to really like about this draft class and the way that he's approached everything since he's gotten to the Jets. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just the way that he's able to see the board and the way the vision that he has, I think, is just fantastic, and that was evident in the MIM selection and the way that the board fell to where the Jets were still able to get him at fifty nine. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm a Joe Douglas homer exactly, uh, but I think that I'm going to give him this one draft and see how he does next year. With yeah, those, listen, this is all contingent on the fact that you know these players actually right. do something on the field. You know, post draft a lot of the stupidest things you can do right. in the NFL because they don't exactly they don't mean anything. Like Denzel Mims is was like an eighty four grade out of a hundred. Like that's what they were rating him as. He was a he's a top ten he's wide receiver in this class. In he's a first round talent in most drafts. First round talent, but he didn't go because obviously all these other great uh players. Denzel Mims is a four three eight runner, six foot. I want to say six foot two, six foot three, mm-hmm. two hundred and fifteen pound body, huge man. Comparison to Julio Jones, uh, just because of his size and his speed, athleticism. Doesn't run routes very well because he doesn't. He didn't have 
route running at uh, Baylor at all. Uh, he ran some total of like three routes, according to our boy John Duong. Um, and he kind of dropped the ball a lot in the last few years. Yeah, stats and info. Our stats and info department from JD. Uh, he kind of dropped the ball a lot in his last two years. And listen, a lot of that was attributed to a hand injury he had. But I'm more hyped now on Denzel Mims than I was. I saw that pick. I was like, all right, they needed the wide receiver. Then I heard that he has a chip on his shoulder. I watched his highlights. The man gets the ball. He's fast and he is a weapon. And he's already talking to Sam Darnold and they are texting. Okay, I will yeah, take I mean, that. And they traded was, down for him. It was interesting to hear Sam Darnold, you know, today on a conference call. He talked about how Robbie Anderson, how you know Robbie Anderson left, and they were just kind of starting to get that good chemistry. And that's obviously a big component of a successful wide receiver is having good chemistry with your quarterback. And that's something obviously we hope Denzel Mims, you know, develops with Sam. And I think this is a really good first step. Um, yeah, like you said, there's a couple, of, like definitely a couple of flaws in his game. That, like you said, the route running was something a lot of people brought up. Um, but that's not something that can't be fixed. You know what I mean? I mean, there, it wasn't like you know it was because of a lack of athleticism, which is a lack of knowledge, really, of how to run his routes effectively. So there's you know that's something that can be cleaned up just through you know good coaching. Um, and you know another thing that people were kind of harping on was the fact that he had bad yards after the catch. Um, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that, that he ran a lot of fade routes in college. And so he was really just kind of asked to go up and get it. And there really isn't a lot of room for yards out of the catch when you do, when you have a fade route, just because the nature of the route and the way that the ball is thrown. Right. He's just uh, with, there to catch the ball. Damn it. He's just there to catch it and fall right. down. So, so I mean that, you know, it's not really his job to get yards out of the catch, but I think he's certainly capable of doing it. Um, I don't, you know, I like to pick a lot, obviously, and I, I think he's a really, really good wide receiver. And I think he's incredible value down there at 59 um but you know i don't know if he's necessarily the guy who's going to step in and immediately become a day one you know number one wide receiver but i think he's someone who can certainly develop into that role depending on how the jets want to use him in their offense i mean i saw a couple of concerns um on twitter and stuff about his you know fit in the Jets scheme um i don't you know, totally disagree with that, but I don't, I don't think it's totally correct because I think there's a lot of different things they can do with him and they can kind of spread him out. And I think that he can play the outside really well, um, especially once he kind of refines that route, those route running abilities. He's, he has that, he has that good speed. Uh, he has really good catch radius. I mean, you watch him go up and get the ball. Um, we saw a couple of, I've seen a couple of highs of that and, you know, he just, I think he does a lot of things really well. And overall, I just think it's, it's a really, really good selection. Uh, I agree. I think that the, they got a guy that they, one, I think they got a position of need, and the first two picks they've done a really great job at addressing two key needs that they they uh, had, uh, developed over the last couple of years. And Denzel is kind of a project uh, in the long run; he's raw, and he's going to probably develop, or at least we hope that Joe is able to help them help him develop. And if he develops a chemistry with Sam Darnold right away or through the first year and then the second year he could be a bonafide starter in the first two years and then they can go out and get more young guys and maybe trade you know and then build up that wide receiver core and those weapons uh they got solid tight ends and ryan griffin and uh uh chris herden higdon jesus chris herden i can't even talk right now um but I think that this is a good step in the right direction, especially in the deep wide receiver class. The only question is, I don't know why they only took one wide receiver, but we'll get into that. 
Yeah, um, we'll get Edge. I I think they could have gone and gotten another got another playmaker in terms of wide receiver or whatever. But um, there were a lot of great seventh round picks. <laughs> KJ Hill from Ohio State. Uh, a lot of great picks later on that they could have gone with. But listen, I'm going to trust this man for right now. Um, next pick is in the third round for the Jets is Ashton Davis, safety out of Cal. Um, a lot of people say that this is the Jets' best pick, value-wise and the player-wise, just not the fit. Ashton Davis is a safety, but is he? <laughs> like, is he just a safety? Like, he can play a lot of different positions. And another thing, he is definitely the heir apparent to replace Marcus May uh, when he's done. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people were kind of – I kind of had the same reaction almost immediately like when I saw his name come across the screen because you see that F that, – I mean that S next to his name. You're like, safety? Like why the hell are we drafting a safety? But I think – first of all, I think just in the NFL across the board and I think what the Jets would like to do, um, you see a lot of three safety looks now in the NFL and I think that's kind of, something that's become a lot more popular, especially as teams start to kind of adopt that spread offense from a lot of college teams. Um, that three safety look is becoming more and more popular. So I think it's good to have that extra safety in there. And like you said, he's kind of a Swiss army knife, right? Like he played, he played safety, he played cornerback, he played uh, linebacker a little bit. And, you know, he's just an extremely athletic Swiss army knife for that defense. And I mean, listen, I, I think overall we see that with this draft and the Jets additions is that like, they still had a top seven defense, despite the fact that our cornerbacks were atrocious. We were missing uh, CJ Mosley and Avery Williamson for both of them for a combined we had them for a combined one quarter uh healthy anyway and so what i think really what you're doing is you're making a good defense even better and ashton davis is in the right direction i mean i'm assuming that for this pick you saw a guy who was probably the best player available and the best player on your board and so you went out and got him and i've i guess i still have no problem with this selection i don't i think it was more of like a pick that's like best available and best talent available. And a lot of people think that that was a good pick for spot need and fit, Eh. but he can also return kicks and he is a dog out there. Apparently, according to uh, a bunch of defensive analysts, they believe that they got a solid character and a solid, just overall effort player out there. And who knows? He could develop into at their number two safety behind Jamal. Hopefully they resigned yeah, Jamal. Yeah, I think you know? what you said, I think we said to Marcus May, I mean, there were some rumors about him being shopped. I heard it was kind of untrue, but I think they could be grooming him to be his heir apparent if they were to move on from Marcus May, depending on what they paid Jamal. Which is Jamal very possible. And, it's yeah, very I mean, possible. Marcus May is point, almost 28, dude. He's almost yeah. 28 years old. And, you know, he's been a really good player. I mean, you know, it, but he just might command too much money in free agency. Yeah, he just might command too much money in free agency to really, you know, be worth it for them. Um, but, you know, exactly. over, I, I mean, I feel like Marcus Main, you know, like I said, I think the three safety look is still something that, that they could look to implement this year and then kind of see how it goes and see if Marcus May really is a necessary uh, player that they should pay moving forward. But, yeah, I mean, I, I still have no problem with this pick. Um, like you said, best player available, kind of a Swiss Army knife for that defense and a guy who just makes the team overall better. So, I, you know, you can't really go wrong with that. Can't argue that pick. Now the next pick um, – Still no third rounder for the uh, Giants yet because the Giants uh, traded this third overall pick or no, gave this third round pick to uh, the Jets because they uh, took Leonard Williams and decided to franchise him. Um, Jabari Zuniga out of 
Florida, another defensive end, edge rusher out of Florida for the Jets. This is probably my least favorite pick next to James Morgan. We'll get into that later. But um, this one, yeah, because listen, I know they need a D end and I know they need or edge rusher. And this man is big. He's got, he had plenty of sacks in college. I think he ended up with 13 or no, he ended up, uh, he, I'll have to look his numbers up, but he ended up, I mean, decent amount of sacks. And he, at, I think in 2018, he was leading the way in sacks in the sec. Um, and I have some credible sources saying he is kind of a stud and he's a, he's a big aggressive player, but listen, We've seen it all before for Florida players and especially defensive ends, for especially for the Jets. Not going to talk about Polite last year, but, you know, or whatever his name. Yeah, that guy compared to Zuniga, it's, it's just tough to see the same type of position, same type of round, similar pick. Yeah, but I, trust I, see, I disagree with that. I disagree with that because Polite was – a different story like they talked about last year on draft day where it was like this guy's a first round talent but he's just an idiot like he just had no discipline he showed up late to a meeting day one and got cut i mean it wasn't because of his lack of talent um zuniga is almost not the opposite i mean i don't really know too i can't really speak to his character too much uh it seems like joe douglas kind of made it a point to draft guys with high character so i'm sure that's the case with zuniga as well I don't think he's going to take a shot on the guy. Um, I think a lot of the reason that he fell was, you know, he's not obviously wasn't a top tier edge rusher, but he was the guy who was injured uh, a lot and he missed most of the 2019 season. And a lot of the stuff that you look at is from the 2018 season. So I think that makes teams a little screamish just when you don't have a full body of work from the past season. So I think that for the player that he could be, the potential that he has, I mean, like you said, he led the SEC in sacks. He was in the 97th, 90th percentile, 97th percentile for a lot of his uh, uh, grades, like pressures and things like that. So, I mean, I think he has a lot of talent. And I think he has a lot of potential. Um, the injuries are obviously are a bit of a concern, but it seems like he'll be healthy going into the season. And a guy who can make an impact on the edge where obviously, you know, every team, almost every team is looking for a solid edge rusher. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't have a problem with this pick. Um, it is a bit of a risk, but I mean, in the third round, you're going to take a risk on talent and hope that, you know, he's able to kind of pan out uh, just based on his injury history and, you know, what, he's, what, you see, what you're able to see on tape, even if it's limited. Exactly. He ended up with 18 and a half sacks in his career uh, at uh, Florida. And in 2018, he had 11 tackles for loss, which are pretty solid he also was injured in 2019 uh i'm pretty sure he ended his season uh injured but yeah like you said a risk but for a talent like that in the third round it's not it's just a, one of my least favorite picks but listen you know you can't can't win them all joe douglas knows a lot more than i do um yeah i mean like i said i, I don't have a problem with pick i i would not compare him to uh jakai yeah, just because kind of, that's kind there's of, a lot of different things around jakai polite that's kind of unfair by me, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't totally agree with you. I mean, I really like Brian Edwards, who went two picks later to the to the Raiders. Um, I really liked him, um, but I mean, otherwise, you know, looking at the third round, there's not a ton of guys that get drafted after him that I would have preferred. I mean, maybe Cameron Dantzler at Mississippi State at cornerback. I think he, he was kind of a guy that that the Jets are even looking at uh, in the third. Uh, Jets are looking at there in the third round. But other than that, I mean, there's not a ton of guys who get drafted after. 
uh, Zuniga, who I really think the Jets really should have gone after. Uh, you could make an argument for Lloyd Cushenberry, the center for LSU, who went to the Broncos. Uh, who right, yeah. Ironically, replaced Connor McGovern, who the Jets signed. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I really don't have a problem with this pick. I don't think that it was a bad selection. I think he definitely has a lot of potential to be really good. We can all hope. We could definitely all hope, uh, and especially for the Jets when they need that edge rusher and they really need that pressure on the defensive line. Got to hope that this one pans out. Um, third round pick, third round talent, or first or first or second round talent in the third round can't really beat the value there. But moving on to the Giants now, pick number 99, third round, Matt Pert, tackle out of Connecticut. I don't know anything about Connecticut. UConn football players, uh, but they needed to add more depth to the O line, and it's so interesting to see players taken from such small schools, either D one, D two, like this, early. Like the Jets did the same thing in the fourth round with your boy uh, Cameron Clark out of Charlotte. Like taking a UConn tackle, like they must know something in their scouting department that we don't. I mean, he's still a guy. You know, he's six six three eighteen. He's definitely a small guy. Uh, by all accounts, he's he's fast. He's physical. Um, I, you know, he doesn't really play with that kind of mean streak that I'd like to see a lot of guys play with. It's a, something that you know I read. He has to kind of turn that mean switch on when he plays. So that's something you kind of want to see him. Um, but it's you know. It seems like he does a good job in pass protection um, and that he does a few things um, pretty well. He has good feet. Um, his mechanics aren't great, um, but and it, you know he kind of gets a little overwhelmed by speed, which obviously you don't like to see in a, in a tackle uh, on the offensive line. But, you know, like you said, one of these things, one of those things where he kind of, kind of trusts this guy in the department of this one. I mean, I don't, don't know about you, but I'm not watching too much you, UConn football this year. Exactly. I'm not watching any UConn football. I don't think a lot right. of people, even our boy Cameron Harvey's not doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where I don't know too much about the player. Um, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, for Giants sake that he works out. Um, like you said, though, you already got Andrew Thomas. Uh, maybe this is a guy that you take a shot on that you like and you hope that he kind of angers down maybe that left side or right side of the line, depending on where you put Andrew Thomas. Yeah, and, you really you know, need, you need depth. You need depth behind any position. So yeah, adding more, like he's more, got uh, yeah, depth exactly. And it's almost like exactly it's almost like the Jets signing George Fant, where now, especially with the draft of uh Mikai Beckton, George Fant kind of acts as that insurance. Matt Perk can do the same thing for the Giants if he doesn't end up being a starter. Um and and so you can kind of hope he sits behind the two offensive tackles and kind of develops into that uh, legit starter, or he just is a solid contributor for your team moving forward. Exactly. Uh, now that's the end of day two when it comes down to the draft uh, for for the Jets and the and the Giants. But uh, day f- day three, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, pretty active for both teams. Um, in terms of the Jets, they made another trade. Uh, and they traded away their uh, one of their six rounders, and they moved down. Uh, and they moved out of the third round to get another fourth round pick with the Patriots. Very controversial trade, and the Giants ended That's up having. Cool. They, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But the Giants <laughs> ended up having seven, uh, sorry, four seventh round picks, which is kind of interesting. And uh, they emphasized a lot on day three defense, cornerback. 
linebacker, DN, linebacker, cornerback, linebacker. That was what the Giants went with. Um, and we'll briefly go over the board mix in there too. Yeah, they got they got a guard out of Oregon, uh, Shane Lemieux, who I actually really like. I thought that was a good pick. Fun fact: first Lemieux ever drafted in the NFL. Really? Yep. Oh. First Lemieux ever drafted. Wow. Uh, and I like Carter Coughlin, defensive end out of Minnesota. I think he was a dog at Minnesota. I watched him play, and he did a great job and uh, for a really good Minnesota team this year. And same with Cam Brown, a linebacker out of Penn State. Those two Big Ten defensive players uh, are good to add to the defense of the Giants, who really need it and struggle mightily, especially up front and in the middle. Uh, and they got a lot of depth, and they hope that at least some of these players develop. Um, uh, in the, uh, the Jets case here though, they, like I said, they traded down a, a third round and they into the, added an extra pick in the fourth round. Mike, what did they do? They traded with the Patriots and what? They fleeced them. They fleeced they them. Fleeced absolutely them? Fleeced them. Yep. Let's absolutely talk about that. All right. What do you, what do you think? First of all, give me your thoughts first. Cause I obviously they're going to be different than mine. Uh, I think that, I think that one, it's like really tough to. Like to ever trade with the Patriots. Now this is Joe Douglas's second time, and but the value that the Jets got—they got a fourth-round pick, and they got a sixth-round pick next year. And the player that they took, that the Patriots took, was a second tight end, I believe, at the point in the draft for them. And a lot of people did not like the tight end they took. I was so confused. The whole draft for the Patriots, I, I haven't talked to them yet. The whole draft for me, for them, was very confusing. Listen, they know what they're doing, obviously. I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, I guess we can get into it now. Why not? I mean, we're already talking about it. I didn't hate the draft overall for the Patriots. I, I think they kind of played it kind of status quo. Um, they didn't really go out and get any any big swingers like a quarterback like some thought they might. They kind of played it like, listen, we still got an insanely good defense. We're going to keep building that depth. And, you know, I would have liked to see them go get a wide receiver or two. Um, but other than that, I you know, it's kind of like they're just kind of rolling with what they got and hoping that their guys are are legit and hoping Jared said him's legit. Um, they would have liked to and hoping the wide receivers are healthy. Guys like Nikhil Harry, hoping they kind of take that next step. But I mean, yeah, they kind of played it like status quo. I, I don't think you can, I mean, you can hate it. Obviously, you can do whatever the hell you want. I can't really tell. I don't really care what you do. But I can't say that I hate it personally. Um, it's not what I would have done. Um, just because, I mean, but obviously, I'm not Bill Belichick. So I agree. No, no one's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick barely, listen, he didn't even draft his first, his second round pick. Uh, uh, his his dog did, you know. Um, exactly. But I think that the Jets made out with that trade. It was a good trade for them. And finally, they might have done something better than the Patriots. Who knows? We'll see. Look, Take they gave the third round pick, and they got two fourth rounds and a sixth round next year. Exactly. And then they that didn't mean, have anyone on their board. Like, they're not taking Dalton Keene. Right. And, like, they literally uh, had three picks in, three with three picks within nine overall picks. 120, 125, 129. But my favorite overall pick that the Jets took day three uh, was LaMichael Pirine. I love LaMichael Pirine. I thought that was a great value running back pick. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN right before it started uh, said that he um, 
if you was to pick one sleeper or one pick that like would develop or would likely develop into a possible starter one day and to a, 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 a solid overall player, Michael Pirine would have been his pick. And within the first, what was it, first 15 picks, I think it was pick 14, the Jets take Michael Pirine. And I, I loved it. I, I just, this kid does what he needs to do. Um, and he's not an heir apparent to Le'Veon Bell at, in any way. But yeah, I like that pick. They finally picked a running back I actually like in for the Jets. They never pick running backs that I care about. Um, this one I liked not super fast, but he's a truck. He will run you over. And he's low to the ground. He's got some burst and hands. I like it. See, I I, I agree with your analysis of the pick that I, I do like it a lot. Um, I think you are wrong in the fact that you're saying that he's not an heir apparent to Le'Veon Bell. I would tend to disagree. I think that's exactly why they drafted him. Um, I think that they wanted to go, you know, something that Jets really can use a running back now um, is speed. And they add a little bit of that today with Frank Gore. Um, that's definitely a guy who can bring some speed to <laughs> the offense. Uh, but you know, no, uh, but you know, I, I think that I do agree with you. I like the Michael Piran pick a lot. I think he's a really good runner. He's very physical. He's very patient. Um, he, he does a really good job. Um, like you said, not very explosive, but I think they wanted an explosive back who could be a compliment to Le'Veon Bell. They would have went with someone like Anthony McFarland out of uh, Maryland. And he went just a few picks later, but I think the fact that they went with Michael Piran, a guy who could develop under starter, a guy who kind of has those starting traits without having that really you know, burst of speed. I think that they, that's exactly what they are doing is grooming him to be a Le'Veon's Bell, Bell's replacement. I think obviously Le'Veon's on this team this year, but I think after the 2020 season, we're not going to see Le'Veon Bell in a test uniform anymore. And Michael Pirine is the heir apparent to that, to that guy. Well, yeah, I, I hope he could develop into that. I just, it's just hard to replace Le'Veon Bell. One, I hope Le'Veon Bell does just, not leave after this next year. I really hope he stays for another two you know, yeah, no, I agree. I just hope I just hope you see him kind of develop um, a little bit more in terms of yeah, obviously last year was a bit of a fluke with a little bit of injury and a little bit of a very very bad offensive line play. So we'll see what he does this year, and you know maybe this year he's able to turn around. I just think that you know Doug, Joe Douglas's predisposition to not overpaying guys and Adam Gase is already already uh, predispos- predisposition against Le'Veon Bell. It's kind of got to shift him in a direction that it does not have Le'Veon Bell in Jets' uniform in twenty twenty one. Maybe, but hopefully, LeMichael, like you said, is the heir apparent can take right. that. Yeah, up. yeah, no, no. I, I that's why I totally agree, and that's why I, I yeah. like the pick is because you got a year to kind of work with Le'Veon Bell um, to kind of see how he does, and that's you know part of that I think too is it part of the Frank Gore signing as well. It's not just you know I think Adam Gase likes Frank Gore a lot. He worked with him in Miami. He, he talked him up. A lot in this uh, offseason, the fact that he's just a dog. He's a workhorse. He loves football, and he works as hard as anyone else in the league. And I think, like we said, Joe Douglas is kind of bringing that kind of culture into the locker room. And you know, I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is necessarily going to be, you know, very receptive to the idea of grooming Michael Piron into the next starter. But I think Frank Gore obviously will because he knows his best years are behind him, and so he'll kind of help Piron along and kind of show him the ropes. And so I think that's a big part of that Frank Gore signing. And not just Piron, but just the entire locker room in general. But I think Piron specifically, I think in that court, in that running back room, he's going to be the guy who's kind of helping Piron develop into that next starter for the Jets. Right. And I think that day three of the NFL draft is filled with a lot of 
depth and like building up behind a lot of your starters and maybe picking up futures. But I think the Jets did a good job here and possibly having a, a year or two starter, Michael P. Ryan, in case Le'Veon does leave or a good off end running back year one. Uh, and I think that was a solid pick. Now moving on. James Morgan at 125 was a little high for me. And then Cameron Clark at 129 was also a little high for me. You and I were texting about this. These picks were a little little too high in terms of All right. who they got, I, when they got them. Okay, I, yes. Not not totally. Don't totally I don't disagree with you. Um, I actually do like Cameron Clark a lot. I think he's a really solid. He played tackle in college. He'll probably slide over to guard in the NFL. Um, but I think he's a solid developmental guy that you hope in a year or two kind of step in the starting role for you at guard right next to Mekhi Becton. Um, so I don't, I don't hate that pick. I really don't. Um, I think you want offensive line depth. You want to kind of build that offensive line for the future. And they, they don't really have a left guard of the future. Greg Van Broten right now is that guy, but he's obviously not going to be your future there. He's not really a NFL quality starter. He's kind of more of a stopgap uh, and, you know, career backup. So, you know, Drafting Clamor Clark there, I definitely don't hate. Um, James Morgan, like you said, you were very, very upset with this pick. Um, I can't say I'm happy with it. It was, pro- I think it was definitely the biggest reach of the draft. What I will say um, about James Morgan, about this pick, Joe Douglas has seen in his career the importance of having a good backup quarterback. He wanted back yes, he, he won his two Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Nick Foles, both backup quarterbacks. And he and he saw last year the way the Jets struggled without Sam Darnold behind center. Both Trevor Simeon and uh, David Fells did an absolutely terrible job, and that's obvious based on the fact that Trevor, Trevor Simeon is not signed with an NFL team currently. And so he wants a guy who is going to develop into a solid backup. And what I what I heard and what I read was that when they interviewed James Morgan down at FAU. He or FIU, sorry, you did that before. Damn it, why did I do it now? See, I, listen, I thought <laughs> the same thing before, we were drafting. before we recorded. I thought it was a, I, 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 did. I thought it was FAU. Well, I listen, I knew before we started talking it was FIU, but I thought when he was first drafted, it was like, oh, it's the FAU quarterback. I get, oh, no, it's FIU. Those two are basically interchangeable, so it's fine. Basically, the same. Oh, listen, if you say FIU, FAU, it's fucking bullshit, it's stupid. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So Tangent. what he said, no, no, that was my fault. Anyway, uh, what he said was that, you know, he, obviously the Jets told him when they interviewed him, they're like, listen, obviously we're not bringing you in here to be the starter for this team. Like you're going to be backup. He was like, you want me to come in there and be a starter? That's what I'll do. You want to come in, come want me to come in there and be Sandra on backup and get him ready for game day. That's what I'll do. So by all accounts, he's an absolute great team player, a guy who's willing to work with the guys in the room. And he just seems like an all around great team player who's going to work his way into being an NFL quality backup. Now, is that what you want at that spot in the draft? Probably not, but you know, they might've seen another team there that they knew was interested in him and it might take him before they're able to take him. And, you know, I don't love the pick. I can't say that it was the smartest pick, but I kind of understand where Joe Douglas is coming from and taking James Morgan at that spot, especially if it's a guy you're looking at and a guy you really want. And really, if you hate the pick, honestly, just look at the fact that, you know, Jen, just look at it as just got Denzel Mims at 48 and that pick never happened. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a wash when you look at it that way, because 
it was a pick they weren't supposed to have in the first place. And so they have these three picks that they weren't really supposed to have anyway. So just kind of like wash that out and say that Denzel Mills was taken at 48 and it's, you know, like it never happened. Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Not the way I would look at it, but hey, listen, you need a good court. You need a good backup quarterback and fourth round, first round. Well, you're never going to take a backup quarterback in the first round, but you know, it got yeah, the guy they like, wanted apparently. Yeah, a guy, but listen, it's a guy you, who, you do whatever you can. Right, and he's a guy who's extremely intelligent. Um, by all accounts, everyone loves him. Um, and you know, he did some good things in college. He has a really strong arm. Uh, he's got some skill sets that people like. And so, you know, I, I, I can't say that I absolutely love the pick, but I can't say that I absolutely hate it either. Um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle on it. Again, not what I would have done in that spot, but something I can kind of understand and something to kind of ease the minds of Jets fans who are really upset at this pick, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think that Joe Douglas has done his due diligence and like you could even see it towards the end of this draft where he takes Bryce Hall and Braden Mann and then also trades his last six-round pick for uh, the quarterback out of uh, Indianapolis. I uh, can't think of his name. Uh, Quincy some, uh, Wilson. Uh, Wilson, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Beer does not do me justice. Uh, Quincy Wilson. Um, I think that J- Joe Douglas throughout this whole draft has done his due, gel- due, gel- due diligence. And James Morgan might have been a reach, but listen, if he's going to be the backup and he has a chance to help the team down the road if need be, by all means. Listen, he went on in the fifth round to take Bryce Hall out of Virginia, cornerback from Virginia, who is a second-round talent, maybe a first, late first round coming into 2019 and then injured himself and then fell to the fifth. That is a first to second round value at 158. Take him, sign him. Thank you very much. Uh, Braden yeah. Mann apparently is the best punter on the board, uh, the best punter in all of college football. I didn't know, but listen, if you got game, he got game. Listen, I like Pat McAfee, and I hope that Pat McAfee likes that pick. That's all I could say about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen. I've, first of all, Bryce Hall, I, I think that, like you said, great pick. Um, absolutely just kind of slid because of an ankle injury. Uh, I feel like people kind of forgot about him, maybe because of coronavirus, maybe because of other reasons. But, you know, he was a great value at the fifth round, probably one of the steals of the draft, like people said. Uh, Brady Man, Brady Man was probably one of my favorite selections. Uh, when you see I love the text you, messages like, you sent me. The bet those are some of the best texts you've ever sent. Were those uh, rela- uh, relating to Braden Matt, dude? I mean, he's just a monster. And to me, like I don't, you know, I, we haven't really gotten too much into football in this podcast overall, but just like actual, you know, play play wise. But um, I don't love Adam Gase. I actually am one of the biggest Adam Gase haters that you'll probably. Oh, I find. think we talked about that. I think we talked about that in this in this uh, podcast. But well, yeah. it, it, it obviously, I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, I think you know a lot of the Jets' success can be attributed to, Adam, to uh, Greg Williams and definitely Adam Gase. Adam Gase, I think, is a terrible coach. Um, so if you are an Adam Gase hater like I am, then I think you have to love Brady Mitt. Like you have, to, if you're gonna have a guy, you, like we have an offensive coach who is a terrible offensive coach like he's just a terrible offensive play caller and so if that's going to be the case and that's going to continue to be the case then you need a guy who can flip the field the biggest gripe against Brandon man as a punter was the fact that 
at, when he punched the ball, he would outkick his coverage. So he needs a little bit more loft in that ball. But the fact that his leg is so big, he's outkicking coverage. I think it's a great time for the Jets. And by all accounts, everyone says he can become a top five puncher in the league. And like it or not, having a good punter is extremely important in the NFL. Uh, the Jets had a pretty good one in Lachlan, Lachlan Edwards the past couple of years. He had a few still lucky bounces. Still could come back. Still come back. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's highly doubtful now with the Brady man sounding. But, um, you know, I think the fact that, if you know, I think this is – I had kind of one of the more fun selections. I like punters, and I think they're, you know, cool. And, and I think Brady Mann is a cool guy. So, it's uh, to me, I, I've had no problem with this pick either. I don't uh, – I mean, I was like, fuck, they took a punter. Jesus, they could have no, taken KJ Hill or taken a playmaker. Would, yeah, like, yeah, like, I get it. There's a few things I think would have eased that blow a bit. Um, yeah, like a guy like Amit Rob- Amik Robertson at Louisiana Tech was a guy that I really liked, um, a cornerback that I thought the Jets could go get late late rounds, who was kind of just like a ball hawk and attack, attack the football with very a lot of tenacity. Um, and I think if they went with him at, at the James Morgan pick and then – Went with Braden Mann. I think that it would ease a lot of Jets fans' uh, emotions. But listen, like I said, um, it is what it is. And I can't say I hate the pick just based on his intangibles and the way that he can boom that football. Ooh. Ooh, boom, boom, that football. I love it. Uh, I mean, based on the text that you sent me that day, like when they took Braden Man, they he had like seven solo tackles too. He like led punters in that category, whatever the fuck it was. It was it was great. Like he he's a fun player and he was very he's uh he's exciting the fact that he could be a great punter. Like, you know, you're right, you need good punting. Uh this could also just be us uh trying to make excuses for the fact that they took a punter, but I'm not gonna try to think that way. Um, I do think that future needs in terms of special teams, they definitely need to work on uh, getting a good kicker. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how yeah, that, that that they can that way, they I can sign that to, way to work on to work on. But I, I'm glad they didn't draft a kicker. I I know I think only one team drafted a kicker. I think it was the Patriots that took it. They just have the kicker there. who allegedly has a white supremacist tattoo. So that's something mm, allegedly or proven. Uh, it is a symbol. So, uh, the, I believe the story goes, and you know, don't call me because I might be incorrect. But I believe the story is that he had a tattoo that resembles a symbol that is used by white supremacists. Now, evidently, he got the symbol when he was very young because he um, he thought that it like was something with guns because he's you know big gun advocate and stuff like that. Um, so he wasn't actually aware that it was a real symbol for for white supremacy he was more he thought that it was actually um a symbol for just like you know the right to bear arms something like that so not necessarily a white uh, white supremacist tattoo but just kind of funny i thought you were going to tell me that he got like tattooed on his body the the gotham the gotham tattoo you know like the okay symbol you know because that's fucking that's apparently white supremacist but that's you know politics when you talk about that uh <laughs> Um, overall, and then, right, you said, like, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, Quincy Williams was, or Quincy, Quincy Wilson, right? Is that his name? What's his fucking name? This guy, the cornerback out of, um, Quincy Wilson. Wilson. Uh, a second round talent or second round pick in 2017, uh, injury plagued during, um, most of his time as a Colt, um, there's a lot of value there. 
uh, and a lot of people like it, listen. That's a second round pick in 2017. A second round pick in this draft, if he was probably that, but I mean, when you're taking a guy in the seventh round, you're looking mostly at a guy who's going to be a filler. Like you're kind of praying that he makes some on field contributions, and you're trading the pick for a guy who's already contributed at the NFL level. So I mean, heck yeah, I take the guy who's already been a proven NFL talent. Obviously, he's not going to exactly. be great, talent, but he's someone who's actually contributing to the NFL level at a position of need. I mean, why the hell not take the shot at him? Especially, you know, obviously the Jets lo- love doing business with the Colts. <laughs> clearly, yeah, at the cornerback business too. Like at not the even like the same position. So I mean, yeah, it's boom. Yeah, so I mean, why the hell not take the chance on a guy who's already been an NFL caliber player, as opposed to taking a guy that you're kind of just taking a fly around, hoping that it works out. You know. Right. And I I think that overall, this draft is well done, well organized, well triggered, uh, and executed by Joe Douglas. I think he did a great job. And I think that for his first draft, uh, as, as the play caller, as the man who put the tickets in, I think he did a great job with the players that he ended up with, the type of talent and value he got a lot of his players at, um, barring a couple of day three picks. Uh, I think this is a pretty good draft, and if uh, if I was to give it a, a grade, I'm going to give this a B plus. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that grade. Uh, B plus is probably where I'm going to. Uh, like you said, a couple day three selections that might have you know you might have gone a different way. Um, just kind of more James Morgan picked more than anything, but obviously got great value in Bryce Hall. I, I still believe in the Cameron Clark selection. I think he has a chance to develop into NFL talent. I haven't looked at his table all that much, but just a guy I think that you're not taking there unless you believe that he can contribute at NFL level. Um, and yeah, I like you said, like he drafted five straight team captains. Like he obviously made That's a point. Huge. That is a huge statistic you know yeah like you know he obviously like his goal there is to build the culture and that that starts within the draft it starts with the guys in the locker room and so bringing in a guy like frank gore to compliment all these different you know team captains it's going to make a difference you know it's going to start to kind of build an idea in the locker room that you know this is not the same old jets this is a new team a new era and you know it's really what you're hoping happens when you look at this team, when you look at this draft. And it's also the same thing for the Giants. Uh, looking at their draft out, like they addressed a lot of needs and a lot of wants. They built their defense later on in the draft, and then they got a really great player in Xavier McKinney in the second round, safety out of Bama. I'm going to give them a B. Um, a lot of their late round picks are very developmental uh, a couple of them could come in and play, but they're going to definitely have to battle it out. They're definitely not bonafide studs. Um, they took, you know, obviously Matt Pert, uh, out of Connecticut, UConn. Like we don't know much about UConn players. Uh, Darnay Holmes, a cornerback at UCLA. They did need a cornerback help, but also yeah, cornerback at UCLA, Holmes. UCLA, not much known about, uh, UCLA defense, you know? Yeah, I mean, Darn- Darnay Holmes is definitely a guy who – a lot of the kind of a theme of the, the, uh, the Giants draft later on, like fourth round Darnay Holmes, guy who's very athletic but kind of lacks those that ball awareness skills and kind of like, you know, he's more of an athlete than a player, if you will. Um, right, right, right. He kind of has to kind of develop into a guy who has a lot better play recognition and kind of go get the ball and kind of re- read those quarterback read those quarterbacks a bit better. Um, but he has, you know, the, the ability to develop into a legitimate NFL starter if the, all those things come together. Um, I think that's kind of something that kind of comes comes along with experience and 
you know, you, you like the fact that when a guy has athleticism over a guy who doesn't. <laughs> so uh, kind of the same thing there with Shane, Shane Lemieux in the fifth round, a guy who's a dog, he'll go and get it. Um, but something can kind of, kind of work on his fundamentals, work on his technique and kind of go working on uh, going, going and getting that, going and finishing those plays a little bit. Would you, what would you give the Giants? I, I, I think I'd give them the B for their overall. Yeah, I agree with the B. Uh, I think the top half of the draft is really strong. Yeah. Um, I don't, there's a lot of picks that I like. like. I like the Cam Brown pick in the sixth round. I think he's a guy who's really athletic and has the ability to kind of do a lot of those coverage things that linebackers are asked to do. I think like you kind of want those smaller, more athletic linebackers. Not that Cam Brown's small by any means. I mean, he's 6'5", 233. But he's a guy who who's able to kind of cover the field uh, a lot better than other linebackers, a little bit more athletic. And so there's some late round selections that are like, you like Carter Coughlin a lot, you said, right? Yeah. I like Car- I like Carter Coughlin, and I think that um, like we're talking about dogs. Like there's one right there, Carter Coughlin, uh, uh, Minnesota. He was a dog, and he grinder, and he was in a cold weather climate type team. And like those are like the nose to the ground type players who are going to help your team in the long run. And whether or not it's like on the football field as a starter or second uh, secondary player, it's probably in the practice squad helping them grind and help the first team practice. Um, and I think Carter Coughlin is probably my favorite pick next to Cam Brown and their second, uh, uh, sorry, in the third day picks or their day three picks. Um, but overall, I think it was a good draft. I think New York had both New York teams had a good draft. Uh, if we even considered the Bills a part of New York, which we do, uh, they had a, a really solid draft. And overall, for the Giants and the Jets, I think they're going in the right direction. Very funny how it's similar, exactly the same type of directions. Um, but they're they're both looking up after this. Um, and it was just fun to be able to watch this live and be able to watch all of these kids get taken. And um, it was something for us to watch. And it was kind of it was it was a pleasure to really like deep dive, knowing we're going to do this type of thing. I'm like talk about all this this is great uh i i think uh overall it was a fun time also by the way uh i have my i i'm not sure if he was drafted i think he was drafted late in the he was a seventh round pick watch out for my boy kenny wilkes out of michigan state this guy is a seventh-round pick, 225 to Minnesota. This man is a defensive end, 6'4", 252 pounds. And he was incredibly like nimble and incredibly fast. And I don't know why he slipped so far. Maybe I'm missing something. But this is another one of those Big Ten like defensive end dogs that I say you should watch out for and follow coming from this draft. Really, I think it's a, I think it was a solid pick, and uh, that's my late, late, late round dark horse next to KJ Hill as a possible star later on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's always a few of those guys who kind of fall in the draft and kind of end up being 
NFL stud Jim was kind of like, how did you miss on this guy? So if that's your guy, you can you can rock with. That's Ken, Kenny Wilkes, uh, KJ Hill are a couple of my guys late in the late round. So I think that could be KJ Hill. I was kind of hoping, you know, it looked like for a second he might actually like not actually get drafted, um, but I think he was a great value for the Chargers. I think he'll do a good job for them. Fantastic. He's literally the number one um, overall. Uh, or the number one leader in receptions at Ohio State in the history of Ohio State. That's crazy to me. Um, just kind of looking at the uh, UDFA signings, uh, the undrafted free agent signings for the Jets and the Giants. A couple of guys that Jets took, I, I know you, you kind of mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned it on the show or beforehand, um, you were kind of upset at the fact that the Jets didn't take another wide receiver. Um, a couple of guys, they did sign Lawrence Cager out of Georgia and George Campbell out of West Virginia. Lawrence Cager was probably, you know, I think he was an incredible signing. George Campbell's a guy I really, really like out of West Virginia. I think he's a lot of really good uh, skills, very, very fast receiver. So I think he's a really interesting. Uh, these are two intriguing guys to look out for and guys who could possibly make some contributions down the road. Um, I mean, Robbie Anderson was undrafted free agent. So, I mean, who the hell knows? Exactly. Uh, Bryce Hoffman as well out of Memphis, the linebacker out of Memphis, I think is a guy who a lot of guys have been talking up. I don't know too much about him, but I've seen his name kind of circled uh, around Twitter and things like that. So I think he's another guy who guys are kind of looking at and thinking that he can contribute on an NFL level and on a, on a actual in-season basis, not just a preseason basis moving forward. Uh, Giants and drafted free agents. I don't know really know too much about him, but uh, – they got a couple guys, uh, Marshawn Kulprick out of Illinois State, a running back. I don't think he really do too much. Uh, Roger Lewis, Michael Asuibu. I have no idea how to hell say that. <laughs> uh, KJ May out of Minnesota is a guy who I think is kind of interesting. I've seen, uh, I've watched him play a few times. I think he's a capable wide receiver guy who could has has a potential to do some good things in the NFL. So I mean, just you know, you ever know with these undrafted free agent guys, they're guys who have potential and some guys get overlooked especially this year given all the, the, the whole situation situation with the coronavirus and everything like that there's a more of a chance for these guys to kind of get overlooked and uh unfortunately not get drafted but it could end up that they have very profitable and very uh productive nfl careers um if they if they step up yeah and i think my favorite out of all of those um you didn't even mention them the jets took lamar jackson cornerback yes out of Nebraska. <laughs> just say Lamar Jackson. Just, huh? just don't even just, just yeah, say Lamar Jackson. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, they uh the Jets uh, took Lamar Jackson, <laughs> the NFL MVP from the Baltimore Ravens for some reason. Um, they somehow got him for free. Uh no, yeah. Uh, I think that was funny looking at that name and be like, oh, that was the first free agent that I saw that they got, and I was like, who the fuck? Um. Overall, I think the draft is good for both teams, and I think the undrafted free agency is going to be like the process is still going. Obviously, coronavirus is definitely going to take hold of like most of that time. But overall, it was great to have these to have something to root for and kind of watch and enjoy. And I think it was great for both teams, and they did a solid job. And I think that the teams are heading in a direction that they want to. Granted, we could totally be saying something different by the end of next season. Who knows? We could totally be wrong yeah. on all of it. Yeah, like I said, uh, post post draft grades are mean it, kind of stupid to give. They hey, actually, absolutely, they mean. give us something to fucking talk about. And exactly, I'm going to exactly. take that. That's all, that's all we're looking for at these times, right? Exactly. We need content for our podcast, and we're going to use it because right now I would love to be talking baseball. I would love to be talking Yanks. That's right, fucking now. Um, during this time, it is May. 
we should be talking baseball. I, but, I agree. Hopefully we'll be doing that soon, but for now, uh, hopefully yeah, soon. it's been fun. Yeah, dude, it's been fun. And, and good to talk some legit sports and uh, look at some legit prospects. Yeah, dude. Oh, fuck. Finally. I'm so glad that we got to put the we got to get this down and get uh get our pre in post and I think uh I like what 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 was going on from uh from our our pre talk and how it ended up and how uh both teams are going. Uh I look forward to talking more here. Yeah. Um <laughs> all right well this has been fun uh, yeah, what the f- <laughs> we're um, still working on our closing comments i can't hear it all right now i'll be honest this is some technical technical difficulties yeah, in our technical I, you're probably being recorded for some reason i just can't hear you it's okay well uh i'll so, uh, uh yeah i mean we're just gonna kind of keep talking over i'm each really other. yeah i'm really glad that uh we were able to <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucking fun. We're really working on having having how like figuring out how to end our podcast. We'll get better uh, for whoever's still listening an hour and a half in. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it's been great. And I'm pretty sure Vinny's saying goodbye. So uh, I am saying goodbye. And it's we are. It's been fun, Mike. It's been fun. We'll see you next time. If you can Good. hear me, yeah, I can hear you, man.